Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Man, I'm... I'm really excited about this. This is going to be good. I hope I change your Christmas. I really do. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture at Christmas. Let's start with Isaiah chapter 7, so that'll be a familiar passage as well. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's capitalized. Shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Isaiah continues in chapter 9. Now you have to understand as as you begin to open the book of Isaiah that it's 700 years before Christ. Now, just give you a, a, you know, just for my measuring stick, how I measure that is I just try to figure out how old this country is. And so when we think about this country just being a little over 200 years old, when you start thinking about 700 and all the history change that happened in our nation over 200 years, how much history change can happen over 700 years? It's just, it's unfathomable. Infathomable. Yeah, that word there, that's a big word. For us southern boys with big lips and slow tongues, that's hard to say. (laughs) But anyhow, 700 years, that's a long time. And he's writing about the Christ child. Now, when we read Isaiah all the way up to chapter 9, we're talking about, uh, really, he's talking about Judah and Israel, and he's talking about how the church, which is, anytime you see Judah, Israel, Jerusalem, uh, those things, the reference is the people of God, the children of God, the, the church of, of Jesus. You remember as Nadler came, Sam Nadler came, he talked about how our job as Christians is to make the Jews jealous because they're, they're the chosen people and we're grafted in, right? We, we do understand that. That um, you know, God didn't wait for American Christians to come on the scene so that we could get it right. <laughs> really, <laughs> you know, and so and so they are in they are in despair because they are choosing uh, choice. They're making choices in their life that are contrary to the ways of God. They're choosing life choices that are outside of biblical principle. And so when they're confronted with everyday decisions, they're choosing the world's way or another way of thinking, whether it be some other type of religious way of thinking or whether it be a cultural way of thinking. No matter, they are choosing to do things contrary to God's way. And it's the church that is choosing that. Now, the reason I say all that is because as a pastor, I am constantly holding myself accountable to the ways I think and what I do based on biblical principle. If you're not doing that, you you might need to kick up your devotion to Christ because that's what being a Christ follower is all about. It is to 
continually make sure that the choices and decisions and the actions you make in life represent Jesus well. And they weren't doing that at all in that time. And, and what Isaiah prophesies here in the midst of that, he calls that great darkness. And in the midst of that darkness, he says there's going to be this insertion that comes in. There's going to be a son sent to a virgin that's going to be God with you. We're going, there's a rescuer coming, and it's going to be Jesus. Who's it coming to? It's coming to the church and all mankind. Just like we talked about, I, I give you, I, I, you know, there's good news with great joy. I bring goodwill to all, to all men. I had that none should perish, that everybody comes to everlasting life. So we understand that this this is a package that's being sent to rescue not only the church but all of mankind. And so he picks it up in, in chapter nine and verse six. He says this about that child. He says, for unto us, now this is the Christmas story. This is quoted in Luke, you know, when Luke really does a good job of, of putting together the Christmas story in uh, chronological order. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, this, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And the government will be upon his shoulder. What is the government represent? Authority, right? In government authority. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and peace, there will be no end. If you've got your Bibles, you really, really, really need to circle what's in verse 7. You need to underline increase, circle of, underline his government, and underline and peace. You'll see why in just a minute. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Man, I don't know if y'all get what I get out of that. You probably don't yet, but you're going to. This is going to be my best Christmas. This is going to be a, a starting place for me to move forward at Christmas like never before. Let me read this to you. This is the Ancient Roots Translinear Bible that tries to do a very good job of taking the original Hebrew and giving what it says in the original English instead of a, instead of a modern day deal. This is what it says. For a boy is begotten to us. To us a son is given with the leadership over his shoulder. Call his name advisor of accomplishments. The mighty God. The father evermore. The leader of peace. His leadership will multiply with no end of peace over the throne of David. 
and over his realm to prepare it and to aid it with righteous verdicts now and forever. The jealousy of Yahweh of hosts does this. Now that is ridiculously good. Let's break that down just a little bit. Let me, let me just talk about that for just a moment. First of all, he is the wonderful counselor. And we know that he's the comforter. He, he, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send the comforter, I'm going to send the counselor, and he's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to tell you everything about who I am and what I said in my nature and character so that you can know what that is. He is going to be the wonderful counselor. He's going to be the one who counsels you. If you see it in this, he's going to be the advisor of accomplishments. He's mighty God. He's all-powerful. That word has the uh, actual thought of being a hero. He is our divine warrior, triumphing, triumphing, yeah, that's it, over sin and death. He's our everlasting Father. He brings fatherly care. He doesn't take the place of the Father, but He says about Himself that He is, if you've seen Him, You've seen the Father. So he has the attributes of the Father. He brings the care of the Father. He's our everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 1, verse 7. It says, To all who are in Rome, the beloved of God, the church, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bringer and the uh, distributor and the uh, maintainer of peace. He, he is our prince of peace. If peace is not evident in your life, then there's no evidence of the rule of the Messiah, because he is prince of peace. In other words, this is what it says. It says about him that he, there is turmoil and disorder in every kind of thing that's dark. There's darkness. There's everything darkness represents. And God the Father is going to insert his Son to bring to you the possibility of peace. He's going to be the prince of peace and his government is going to be established on peace. And so if Messiah rules in your life, then you have peace. Otherwise, Messiah is not ruling. Something else is ruling because Messiah is peace. He is, says that he's peace now and forevermore. Now, what you have to understand is that he is inserting his kingdom right now. Now, 700 years before Jesus, this prophecy is coming that this government is going to be established. So let me just ask you the question. When is it established? Is it established at the cross or at the birth? Interesting question, isn't it? Because it is initiated 
at the birth. The government is started at birth. The government is going to be on his shoulder. Now, what had to happen? There had to be an atonement for sin so that sin could have no more power over you. That will happen at the cross, right? So the finished work of the cross defeated hellish forces in your life forevermore. But the establishment of the government was going to happen on the Son of God at Christmas, at birth. The government is going to be put on his shoulder. And what government is that? The government of peace. The government of goodwill. I could stop. You guys track it with me? Peace now. And peace should abide as we abide in Jesus. Not only is it, is it now, it is, it is forevermore. John 14, 27. Have we got that? John 14, 27. Boom, is that it? Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because I'm going to give you peace right now, and as you abide in me, you're going to have my peace, and it's going to last forevermore. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of God... Rule in your hearts. Does rule sound like government? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let peace rule in your hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 18 says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. And through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The government is peace. It's peace. It's peace, it's health, it's well-being, it's prosperity, and it's happiness. <laughs> Think about this for a minute. Tie the two that we talked about Sunday in this message together. 
You've got this proclamation from a prophet in Israel 700 years before the Christ saying to you that there's going to be a government of his increase, of his government, and peace. There will be no end. It starts at the birth. Can we all agree about that? What's he talking about? A son is going to be given so that this government can be built. Would you agree? Everybody with me on that? Uh, the finished work, Jesus said at the cross, it is. The whole work was finished at the cross. Right? And so it's complete. But the beginning of the work of reconciliation to God, peace with God, peace with a man, peace on earth was given at the birth of Jesus. Now, here's what you've got to understand. What we've always believed and what you believe in your life oftentimes is this. Hell is going to take over the earth. All hell is going to break loose. It's just going to get worse, 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 worse. Tribulation is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and that is true. Right? Would we agree tribulation is going to be worse and worse and worse and worse and worse? Yes? Against what? Against the church and Christ. Right? Well, this passage of Scripture right, says right here that the Father is sending the Son through a virgin, and the government is going to be on His shoulders, and that government that's going to be on His shoulders and, he's, and that government represents peace. And of the increase of this government, it's going to never end. You're tracking with me. Not the decrease of this government. It's the increase of this government. The increase. The increase. If we abide in Jesus and he abides in us, then there's peace. And no matter what tribulation comes, we can walk and abide with Christ. We can have peace. And the more we walk with God, the more we understand kingdom, that peace can continually increase. And so we can constantly grow in our peace with God and with man no matter what. The government is on his shoulders and that government is not decreasing. There will be no end to that government and it's being established with judgment and righteousness from this time forward when? When, when he's inserted even forever. And then it says this beautiful passage in, in uh, this verse in, in 7, the end of 7. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. I love the way the ancient root says. It says, the jealousy of God. Let me read it. Let me get it. The jealousy of Yahweh of hosts is going to do it. And when you understand the jealousy of God, 
what you have to understand about that. It's not a negative thing. His name is jealous. It says about God that his name is jealous. Most of the time we think of jealousy as being a negative thing, don't we? He's jealous. She's jealous. That's negative. But jealousy in Scripture and the, the name of God being jealous actually means that anything that keeps his goodwill from you, he's jealous of. Anything, listen, y'all need to really hear this. This is so good. It's just melting my mind. Anything that you choose that keeps his good will from you, he's jealous. And he says that it's the jealousy of Yahweh that will actually carry this plan of redemption of peace out. Isn't that good? He's jealous of anything that would keep his goodwill from you. And he says in his word that he will, he will let you experience the darkness that you choose until you see that there's this bit great light been sent that's inserted that can bring you peace. And that you begin to choose his way. That's what it goes on and talks about how these people, there's a certain group of remnant of people will turn to his way because he's inserted this opportunity. And so you have the ability to make a choice to heap hellish stuff on yourself. Or you have the ability to choose peace. And the jealousy of God is what inserted the son that was born of a virgin this Christmas to give you the power to walk in peace. Y'all don't know how much turmoil that I see in the church and in, in lives. Constant turmoil. I mean, would you say, would you describe your life as, man, the peace of God is overwhelming. You say that's the description of the church? Is that the description of your family, of your home atmosphere, the peace of God? Man, it's just, it's overtaking me. It is the gospel of peace. Golly, come on. It's sent for the church sent for the church so that we could make the world jealous. Especially the Jews. Why? Because we're in perfect peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. My peace. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, 
Why in the world don't I have peace? Then I have to ask myself question number two. Am I increasing in my peace? Is my peace on the rise? Is every week that goes by, do I feel like I'm walking in more peace than I did last week? Is it on the increase for me? Yeah, maybe. Some, some places, you, know, you need to pat yourself on the back. When you, or, you know, at least give yourself credit when you get it right, you know. Man, I just think, Jesus, I want your peace this Christmas. I want to understand the width and the depth in the height of your peace. Yes? And then, I want to increase. Because it's never going to end. It's never going to stop growing. And to think that the peace that I exhibit, and, it, and not only feel internally and mentally, physically, but I'm able to share with somebody else, that that even grow. And that in itself reveals of whether. I'm in relationship with Messiah. Because he is the prince of peace. And this is, this is messing with you, isn't it? It's been messing with me all day. Welcome to my world. But it's truth, isn't it? Isn't it true? Can you feel yourself going? <sighs> Tony Durkin, and maybe he'll preach it soon. He preached a message at the men's retreat that talked about a yoke. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he described a yoke. If, if, you put, if you have a single horse, you don't use a yoke, you use a collar. If you have two horses walking side by side, you use a yoke. And what you do is you get the mature, the mature seasoned horse and you put the yoke on that horse so that the young whippersnapper horse that doesn't have a clue knows where to go. And Jesus said, put my yoke upon you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me go. And we strive so hard to achieve 
that we lose the rest of God and the peace of God trying to prove something. And until we get out of that mindset, I don't know that we're ever going to experience peace. I don't know what's got you where you're not filled with peace. Some of us have horrific circumstances that we're living through. I talked to somebody yesterday, a family yesterday, that this is an awful situation in their family. Choices they're making, things that they're doing, it's, 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 reeking, it's just reaping hell on them. And they're suffering, and they're discouraged, and they're depressed and hopeless. You know people like that, don't you? It's all over the place. Hell is breaking loose. And it's as if, and they claim to be Christians, and it's as if the Savior was never sent, the Prince of Peace never came. It's as if he didn't even, you know, we, re we received Jesus, but we're not moving in his peace. We're not in his rest. We're, we're just all over the place. So why did Jesus come? Jesus came to bring us peace. Peace with the Father. Peace as we lived. And eternal peace. Didn't he? stop increasing so that means that I can step on the pathway of peace and then it's just gonna propel me forward in peace and no matter what season I'm in I can be overwhelmed with peace how? I have to abide in Christ. I have to abide in his peace. You know, this helps us, doesn't it? It gets us refocused. But we still got to go to work tomorrow. You know, the average family, to have a $4,000 budget, you got to make $21 an hour this week to support $4,000 budget. And, and so you say to me, how in the world am I supposed to have peace in that? You abide in Christ. You work hard as unto the Lord, and you abide in Christ. 
and you don't let it overtake you. You don't value it more than you value the things of God. You just got to keep the right thing the right thing. You got to put it out in front of you and know that anytime you're not living in peace, you're not abiding in the Messiah. Because he's Prince of Peace. This is the same old passage of Scripture that we've always read at Christmas. And this year is just rocking my world. Because our world really needs peace. How is it going to get peace? The church emulating the prince of peace. Serving the prince of peace. Being, being kingdom carriers of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Happy are those who carry peace. My goodness. <laughs> you know what, man? Oh, Lord. This is not just empty words. This is not just scripture we're reading off a page. This is the expectation of God. You're to live at peace with your husband and your wife. You're to live at peace with your children, with your grandkids, with your boss, with your coworkers. You're to be carriers of peace, the peace of God. Well, wonder, wonder if I just can't. You just don't know who I work with. You're just not walking with Messiah. Half of Stanley County just hit Robert and said, you don't know my boss. <laughs> you don't know Time Warner Cable. You know what I mean? I mean, we could come up for all kinds of reasons we don't live in peace, can't we? We really can. And this is, this is the message of God. If you're not living in peace, there's an issue. What's the issue? Entering into his rest. Putting on his yoke. Abiding in Messiah. Receiving from him everything he has for you. Trusting him in the season that you're in. I was just talking to somebody just a minute ago. Don't make God the size of a peanut in your situation. He's a big God. The only way that you can have peace in tough circumstances is to believe that God's bigger than your circumstance. And he actually cares about you and he has good will for you. He's the Prince of Peace. I've got good news of great joy. I've got peace to all men. Isn't that wild? His whole mission is to bring us peace. Authority. 
government and peace will never That's right. That's exactly right. That is. It is. The question is, and the hard part becomes, Robert, we actually got to do that mess. You know, this is not just a church thing. You actually have to walk in peace. Why do you do that? Well, you can't do it by yourself. And you can't do it without calling on the name of the Lord. And you can't do it without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you can't do it without knowing the Word of God. But His mission and His his will for you and what He's jealous for you over is when you don't have peace and goodwill. It breaks His heart. It breaks His heart so much He sent His Son. So that you could have it. And if he did that for me. My gosh. Don't I want to walk in peace? If he loves me so much. To do this for me. Don't I want to walk in peace? Don't I want to be overwhelmed with peace? Don't I want to be a peace carrier? A peacemaker? What better gift could we receive? What better gift could we give than peace? Hey, I've got a gift for you. What's that? Peace. I got a gift of peace. You know anybody would say, I don't know that. (laughs) I don't know anybody. Go. There's a place in um, the New Testament where the Lord Jesus is commissioning his disciples, and he says, "Go and go to go to people's doors and knock on and say, peace I give you.'" And so. And it says, if it returns, never leave. But if you fill the land in the house, then enter in. That's it. That's good. So this is what the Lord wants us to do, man. You know, this is family. This is this is uh, this is our uh, this is us and. My prayer is this. God, I hate I'm so old to learn this. I hate God that it took me 56 years. To really get a grip on the idea that your government is peace. And when I'm not walking in peace, I'm not walking in you. Mm -hmm. 
when peace is not ruling and reigning over me, then I'm not giving you the authority needed for the Prince of Peace to reign a peace on me like the world can't give. Since you came to give me peace. Father, I just want to see striving. <coughs> yeah. God, amen. This is so real. God wants to do so much. So I just got to give you the word. I'm just going to give you the word. You ready? One reason that so many of you don't have any peace is because you're financially out of whack. You're so far in debt and you're doing so many stupid things financially that you can't have peace. And until you line up your life financially with the ways of God, you're not going to get peace. And our culture lends to that. It pushes that. And you got caught up in the river. But here's the, here's the verse of the Lord. Here's the ways of the Lord. You have to commit to his way financially. You have to repent and come back to him and say, Lord, I'm going to give you your portion and then I'm going to not go in debt anymore. And I'm going to get my creditors paid off so I'm not a slave. And when you do that, he can walk you out of that in peace. But until you commit to that, you're going to be tormented by it. It's going to rule you. It's going to reign over you. It's going to do it anyway for a little bit because it's just what it is. But you, at least you can be at peace with God and having some semblance of peace. But I would suggest the reason most of us don't have peace has to do with the prison that we put ourselves in financially. So I say that, and I say this about 56-year-old young people sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> do not do what we did don't do as we did do as we say okay do as scripture says guard yourself don't do stupid stuff financially putting yourself in prison but it's more than that sometimes sometimes it's relationships sometimes you're married to a very hard person to get along with and it's hard to have peace but if you get right with God, you can still have peace. You can still have peace. He can bring peace in the midst of the storm. He says to the storm, shut up. Do you think the Lord might be just saying to us just a little bit, I have this humongous amount of peace I want to bestow upon you and I want you to walk in. Walk in it. Stop and walk in it.
Anybody else got a word? In Messiah, abiding in Jesus. Love is God. Yes. How many would say I hadn't been living in peace? How many would say that besides me? I hadn't been living in peace. How many think that God might have more peace than you're living in? How many say to yourself, dang, I want that realization? How many would say that? I want the realization of the peace of God. Why don't we stand up and we'll pray. figure out what to do. I don't, just don't want to hurry. Peace, peace, God's peace. What is it, Liz? Rest. Yeah, well, that's peace. It's peace. <laughs> I'm making up my own words. I do this all the time. She always calls me out. <laughs> Peace, peace, God's peace, peace, better than all my sin. Yes, peace, peace, God's peace, a peace that is greater than all. It's really the same thing because the words really are grace, grace, the power of God working in our circumstances. God's grace, grace. What's he saying? What's Brock doing? I see. Yeah, it's good. Is it hot enough in here for you, Sue? Oh my gosh, it's about, you know, anybody sweating like crazy? Yeah, look up there at the top, look up there, yeah. Oh my goodness. Why don't you lay hands on somebody next to you that's female or male to get away from your family? Females and females, males with males, how about that? Females with females, males with males. Pray for each other. Pray peace on each other.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got one more thing I want to do before we leave, man. I just think I think we got to do it. If you need if you need freedom and peace financially, would you raise your hand? I need freedom and peace. Don't be don't be embarrassed. I need freedom and peace financially. Raise your hand high. Freedom and peace financially. I need freedom and peace financially. Everybody else is free and needs peace. Don't need peace. Everybody's good. Raise it up real high. We're going to bless this. We're going we're gonna to break free. <coughs> Father, we speak peace. Say it. Peace. I like it. Say it. Peace. Father, we speak health. Well-being. Prosperity. Happiness. Rejoicing. Over who you are. And what you bring. And what you bring. God, you said, God, you said about, me, about me, if I would be careful, I would be careful to handle my, my finances, the way your word said, that I would prosper in everything I do. Let's say that again. If I, God, do it your way, you said I would prosper. In everything I do. How many believe for breakthrough right now? How many say, I believe it. I'm changing what I'm doing. How many are going to change what they're doing and discover God's way and say, yes, I don't care how hard it is. Let me just say this. Let me say this right now. 
Let's say your budget is four grand and you got $4,500 worth of bills. Tithe. You hear what I'm saying? You can't do on 100% by yourself than you can do on 90% with God bringing an increase into your life. If you believe God, you do what he says. You hear me? I am just dead serious. I'm done with financial bondage in the church. We need to be generous, filled with grace, filled with peace. Father, we release heaven. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I just ask you that we quit resisting. That God, that there would be walls that would have broken down, that we would become obedient, that, that God, you wouldn't allow that darkness to creep in and overtake us because we refuse to do things your way. No matter what it is, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that there would be tremendous breakthrough. And we could say about this congregation that there's no one in bondage. That we're not in bondage in this place and we're not a slave to our financial situation. That you, our God, bring plenty. You bring abundance. You bring prosperity in everything we do. God, we proclaim that and we repent of our ways and we choose you this day so we can live in peace. Man. That needs to be broken in this room, but it also needs to be broken in our church and in the church in general. So, Father, I just pray that you would convict your church. This Christmas season, I ask you, God, that we would have sober judgment, that we would see things as they really are, that we would align ourselves with your word and your way. And that we'd recognize that you're a jealous God who wants goodwill for all men that choose you. God, help us to be a light in a dark world. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.